Thanks, Ulrich and the band. Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you with us. Oh, I love that song, eh? That line at the end, it's like, only our holy God, only my holy God. So wonderful that the holy God would become our God and our Father. Hey, if you haven't met me, my name's Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you haven't, you're probably new. It's great to have you with us visiting or um, maybe checking us out. We'd love uh, to get to know you a bit afterwards. So stick around for some coffee and tea. Um, we're going through this series, Truths That Transform. And as Ulrich opened up the gathering, um, today particularly is about how we are being transformed as Christians until Jesus comes back or we are called home. Uh, and we're going to look at Hebrews 12. So open up your Bibles there, Hebrews 12 from verse 1 to 17. So it's towards the end of your New Testament after all the T's, Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. And then Hebrews is right there. Hebrews 12 from verse 1 to 17. Man, there's so much stuff I'm going to leave out of this passage today. You know how we do the standalone sermons. And these, this is one of the passages I've put down as one that I'd love to preach on. Um, and today's not quite going to be what I'd love to do because it's more of a topical sermon. So we'll bounce in and out of this to other passages Uh, But bear with me, maybe we'll do it anyway another time. So Hebrews 12 from verse 1. Let me read for us. I'm reading from the ESV. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your own blood, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness." For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. 
that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are not only the founder of our faith, but you are the perfecter of our faith. And this is what happens now. Once uh, we trust in you, you continue to perfect our faith. You grow us in our faith. You challenge us. And so we grow more and more. So would you show us today how you do this? How are you going to perfect our faith so that we are perfect in it when we stand before you one day? And it's just wonderful to think you even do it. Mainly, it's not dependent on us, even though we need to do something. Show us this, Lord. And especially, Lord, there does seem to be some sort of a warning here that those who don't uh, respond rightly under this, who might think they are children of you, who might think that they are part of the people of God, are illegitimate children and not true sons and daughters of the Most High God. So may we respond rightly today as we hear you. Please address us now and work by your Spirit to change and transform us for our good and for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, have you ever heard someone ask, what is God's will for my life? I'm sure you have. Or maybe you've asked that yourself at times when, you know, when life's been difficult, maybe. You're not sure what to do or what direction your life is meant to head in. And it can be a bit of a burden in some way for some people. Uh, you know, some people say something like, oh, if only I knew what's God, what God's will for my life was, then I'd be content. Because, you know, if I know, then I would do what He wants me to do, what His will is, and I'll be fulfilled in a way that He intends, in a way that He created me for. And so what is God's will for my life? Do, do you want to know the answer to that question? Because I can give it to you this morning. And it's not because I had some uh, special revelation from God this week or some profound experience. It's because he simply tells us in his word. Look with me here at 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification. It's very clear, isn't it? (laughs) It's not ambiguous at all. Your sanctification is what God wills. God wants you and He wants me to be sanctified. And uh, To sanctify something, in case you didn't know, is to make it holy. So, so it can be a bit confusing at times in the English language. So here's what we're looking at today, sanctification and holiness. It can be a bit confusing when you see that. and you, It seems like two different things, right? We're looking at sanctification and holiness, but in some sense they're not so different. Sanctification is about being made holy. It's a verb that's kind of being done to you. It's very clear that this is a work that God does. And holiness is about being holy. And then the Bible also calls Christians saints, which means holy ones. So all these truths, as you can hear, have the word holy at its very core. And it would have been much easier if we could spot that in the English language to know that it's all about holiness, but so be it. Uh, Today is then, as you can see, very important for us, for you and for me, because God wants us to be made holy. And and if I could even dial up the, the, the the knob a bit more on the seriousness of this truth we're looking at today, 
Did you look at what is said in verse 14 of Hebrews 12 that we just read? It says this, Strive for peace with everyone, and you could say strive again, strive for the holiness, listen to this, without which no one will see the Lord. You see, if you're a Christian here today and and you think you will see God Almighty one day, the creator of heaven and earth, and you'll spend eternity in His presence, but you don't strive for holiness, well, then you need to think again. Because without sanctification and holiness, you will not see God one day. No one will. So there's a lot at stake here today, and I hope you sense the seriousness of this. My hope and my prayer is that you will, and that you'll see even more the, the kind of beauty of it is that God provides everything for our sanctification. And as we pursue it and take hold of it, He blesses us in it as well. And we have to remember that sanctification happens within a certain context. We saw this last week. It happens within the context of a family, the family of God, as children of God in a relationship with our Father that loves us dearly. You probably saw that come in, come out in our passage. Let's have a look at the, the first thing. So there's three things for this morning. Sanctification and holiness is a God-like pursuit. In other words, it's a pursuit to be like God. Now, when I was a child, I wanted to be like my dad. I remember when I was a bit older and, you know, we had school holidays, I would wake up in the morning and I would wait for my dad to get dressed before I got dressed. You know, I wanted to see what he was wearing so I can try and dress exactly like him. And when he was out in the ute looking at the cattle, I wanted to be with him and do it too. Or under the car working on the engine, I'd be there and I'd be looking for greasy spots, you know, rub my hands all over it so I can look like dad, look like I've been working. And I've seen this with my own sons now as a father. They imitate me, and as they grow older, I'm sure there'll be parts of me that they think, man, I don't want to be like that. Um, You know, maybe it's parts and behaviors that have hurt them or simply not good and upbuilding. But the beauty of the Christian life is that we have a Father that's perfect. And so He is completely worth imitating. And what seems to me, and to us, I think, so part of our very natural behavior, which is to imitate our fathers, it seems to me equally a part of the spiritual makeup of every Christian. Christians deeply want to be like their heavenly Father. We want to be like God. And you know what? God wants us to be like Him. Have a look what he says in Leviticus 11, and it's also quoted in 1 Peter 1.16. For I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Notice how being holy doesn't earn your salvation. So uh, God had already brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He's established them as his people. And then, and only then, he says, be holy, for I am holy. And we see this pattern in the New Testament too. We are saved by our faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. We are brought into God's family as His children, like we saw last week, and we have Him as our Father. And then, and only then, that's why we're doing this uh, truth, after the truth of adoption, He says to us, be holy like me. And all God's dealings with His children is to make them holy like Him. Did you see that? Have a look at the second half of verse 10 in our passage. He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. There it is. 
If we are to pursue, though, God, our Father's holiness, what is it? What is holiness? What does it mean for God to be holy? And I think it's key that we understand this because the next two points are both shaped by it. And we need to get this because if we get these two things wrong and and, and replace one with the other or swap them, it can really um, make us lose hope as we pursue holiness. The first thing to be holy, it means to be separate or to be set apart. God is holy, and I loved actually singing that song. You know the the song, the holy God one? Because all the questions that it keeps asking, who, 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 and the answer to all of them is no one, no one, no one. And the song just drives this, this distance between God and anyone and anything else. It separates him from us. And that is one aspect of what it means to be holy. He is not like us. He is in a league of his own. No one compares to him. If you read the book of Job, right at the end of the book of Job, uh, God just asks a truckload of questions to Job, four chapters of them. And Job just at the end sits like this, because he cannot answer it, because he's a mere human being. He's not God, and that's the point. God is different to him. And God also shows himself uh, as unique in comparison to other gods. We see that in Isaiah and some of the Psalms where he kind of makes fun of some of the idols who can't actually see, who can't actually hear, who can't tell the future, they can't even speak. And so he does not share the glory he has with any other because there are no equals. There is none like him. So that's the first aspect of being holy. The second one is... Uh, to be holy is to be pure. This is the way we understand it mostly, I think, and use it. So God is holy because He's white as snow, right? He's white as snow. He's perfectly pure. He's completely righteous with no wrongs next to His name. He's without filth. He's completely clean in a moral sense. Now, this might all seem very simple to you and very familiar to you, But the reason why I've started here and I've shared this is to remind us that our sanctification begins with God. If sanctification is about the process of becoming like God, well, it'll not go anywhere unless we know Him, right? So you cannot become like someone that you don't know, can you? So if we want to become like God, like this holy God, we need to know Him deeply. How does He act? What does He say? What does He desire? How does He speak? When, when He's wronged against, how does, he, how does He respond? How does He view the situations we find ourselves in? Only when we know these things can we imitate them. And we can imitate Him. So let me put it bluntly. If you do not spend time with God, your Father, your sanctification and your holiness will go nowhere. You you, you cannot speak like your Heavenly Father unless you hear Him speak. You, You cannot act like Him unless you watch Him act. And it might seem simple, but sadly it seems that some Christians think they never have to gaze upon the beauty and glory and power of their Father And somehow they will still become like him. It's impossible. 
So if there's one way that today's truth transforms you, let it be to make time for you to behold your God. Okay? Open your Bible. Sit back and watch Him. It's a great, great book. It's a great display of Him. You can get to know Him page after page, line after line, act after act, and pray that God would show Himself to you as holy. The holy God, utterly unique and completely clean. And that's where your journey to become like Him will need to start. So that's the first thing about sanctification and holiness. It's a pursuit to be like God, a God-like pursuit. The second thing, it's a gift from God. You see, if I wrapped up the sermon after point one, which I'm sure all of you would love, you're like, whoa, that's the shortest one he's ever done. Well, (laughs) um, that would be pretty tough because... um, Attaining the holiness of God that's required to see Him one day, um, we, we would all be crushed if we try and pursue it like that. As we try to imitate the God of the Bible, we would fall short over and over and over again and we would be crushed. And, and not to imagine how terrible, terrible it would be to imagine a God that wills for us to be holy like Him and yet does nothing to help us to be like Him. He even says, you cannot see me or be with me without being like me. And if He was not to help us to become like that, man, He would be a pretty horrible God. But the good news of Christianity is that God sanctifies us as a gift in Jesus Christ. Have a look here with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You see, because of God, we are in Christ Jesus, who became our sanctification. I'm not going to explain this in its fullness, because we've kind of looked at it uh, with the truths of justification and adoption in the last few weeks. So in short then, it's worth saying that through our faith in Jesus... We, we are united with Him, as if we're inside of Him, as that verse says. Um, and so, when He died on the cross, it was as if I died. And when He died and paid the penalty for sin, it was the penalty that I essentially paid in some way through Him. He was my substitute who paid the price to free me of sin's consequences. And so, for you, if you trust in Him. But not only that, we also saw that Jesus gave us His righteousness. So this kind of great swap took place. All of my unrighteousness I gave to Him and then received all of His righteousness. You see the swap? And so this means if I trust in Jesus, I have been made pure without sin by Him. And that's the one aspect of being holy, remember? So through Jesus, as a gift from God, I've attained to this one aspect of God's holiness. Perfect purity. But what about the second aspect of God's holiness? Being separate. And that's kind of what we saw last week. We saw this last week, how God, in Christ Jesus, took us out of the world and put us in His family. He adopted us as His children. He set us apart from the world by setting us in Christ through our faith. You know, Jesus said this to his disciples. Listen to this, John 15, verse 19. You are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. 
So in Jesus, every Christian has been set apart over here as a child of God and has been made righteous and pure and blameless as children of God, just like the very Son of God. And so that means every Christian is sanctified. We are all sanctified already as a gift of God. It's, it's done and it's accomplished and there's nothing left to do. Now, if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, man, that sounds really nice, Danny. But um, that's, that's not what I'm like. Uh, I don't experience that in my life. I don't always live like a child of God. I often get sucked into living like the world around me. Instead of me being set apart in how I act around people, I'm often just looking the same, doing what everyone else does. And I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly not pure and blameless and righteous. Man, have you, if you could only get into my brain and see my motives in my heart as well and my thoughts... I simply, sometimes I just simply do wrong things and I, and I sin. I don't feel white as snow, but I feel filthy and yuck. Do you feel like that as a Christian sometimes? Well, you're not alone. Have a look what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7. I'm going to look at this one. I feel like I always look at that one. So you guys, let's look at this one together. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That's a big statement for an apostle to say. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to, but the evil I do not want to is what I keep on doing. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You see, you're not the only one that feels torn and frustrated with yourself. So why is it that we feel this way? It feels like our sanctification is true. Oh, Danny, when you were going through those passages. But at the same time, it feels like it's not true once I go through the week and you know, someone cuts in front of me or you know, something happens at work and I lose it. The reason is because the gift of, of sanctification that we've looked Uh, under this point, is a legal standing before God. Again, we saw this when we looked at justification and adoption. In justification, uh, we are legally declared not guilty before the judgment seat of God. In adoption, we are legally brought into God's family. And both those truths make up sanctification. And you know what? Both of them still need to change our lives. Listen to this. Legal declarations don't change us immediately as people. It takes time, doesn't it? Think about marriage. Think about even a little child, right? A little child gets adopted by a couple. Maybe they even have some children already. He's legally part of their family. They've taken him home already. All his clothes, everything is there. He's got his own room. He's living with them. Is he part of their family? Yes, he is. You know, all the paperwork, the legal documents have been signed and processed. But at the same time, he's not part of their family yet. He, he might talk in ways that's not part of his new family. He might have a vocabulary that doesn't exist in his new family. He might not respect other people the way his family does. He might not think and act the way his family does. Um. And you know this, right? Every family has its own characteristics. 
You hear people say, oh, look at that smile. You know, that's a classic Smith smile. Or, or you know, look at how he's walking. He walks like a real Williams or whatever it may be. Or, that, or, or he's got a temper. You know, he's got a temper like a Thomas. I can see that. You know, a child that's adopted is one legally, but he doesn't have the family characteristics yet. I'm sure if you adopt a child initially, people would see, oh, yeah, that one's adopted, we think. But then give it five or ten years' time, and they won't be able to see it because he's adopted and has taken on the family characteristics. And so it is with us. We've been, we've been adopted, and our new relationship with God is as a father with children. Relationally, we are children of God, and that cannot change. But recreationally, God has a lot of work to do on us so that we might look and act and speak like him. And so point two, if you think about that, it's about position before God, and it doesn't change. And our next point is about our progress in growing as God's children. So let's, let's move on to that one. So sanctification and holiness, it's a pursuit to be like God, it's a gift from God, and lastly, it's a growing in God-likeness. As we are being sanctified now, it is important that we grow in our godliness. And you might think, Danny, that's really stupid for you to say something that simple. Why are you even saying it? It's so obvious. But it does seem like many Christians are not looking to grow. They seem quite happy with where they're at. And that's not what the Bible says. Have a look here at what Paul says. This is the bit that um, Ulrich was reading for us right at the beginning. And we all with unveiled face, so the scales have been lifted from our eyes, uh, are beholding the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are all being transformed into the same image, that's the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And as we grow in our Christ-likeness, it goes from one degree of glory to the next. So more and more and more. And we have to see this this kind of upward trend in our holiness and godliness and Christ-likeness as Christians. This is something that God does by His Spirit as we behold Jesus. And we also see this in our passage that we looked at in Hebrews 12. In verse 2, we are told to look to Jesus, right? So it's a a theme. And then we see something similar in verse 3. Consider Him. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We must consider Jesus as we pursue growth in our godliness. He is our example. He is our guide, and we need to become more and more like Him. But you know what's another thing worth noticing in that verse? Uh, It's worth noticing that growing as Christians is a bit of a grind. It is a grind. We keep looking to Jesus so that we don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Being recreated by God as we go through life so that we might stand before Him one day, it's hard. And and if you're looking for a religion that's easy, well, you might have to find another one. One that just gives you a bunch of rules and you do them and you tick them off and really at your core, you don't have to change. But Christianity is not like that. 
As we trust Jesus for our salvation and we look to him for our sanctification, we are being transformed from the inside out. We are being recreated. And it's painful at times. Have have a look at how it's put in verse 4. We struggle against sin as we look to become like our Savior. Now, I want to talk to you if you've been struggling. If uh, Maybe you're going through a really painful time right now as you, as you fight your sin or someone's maybe exposed sin or, or shared sin with you. Don't let it get you down, okay? That's, uh, don't think, certainly, don't think that your father is against you. Don't think he's got it in for you. Don't think that he hates you. I mean, this, I don't know if, you had, if you're a parent, if your children did this, but our kids, they do something wrong, then you pull them aside, you try and correct them, sometimes you discipline them, and you know what they do? They don't thank you. They say, our kids say, you're a baddie. You're a baddie. It's like, mate, you're the one that just did the wrong thing. I'm trying to correct you and help you, and you're calling me the baddie. I'm loving you, right? Don't do that with your heavenly Father. Look at verse 6, what he's doing. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. You see, if you're hurting right now because God's purifying you, know that he loves you. He's only purifying those he loves by disciplining them. Yes, you know, as you look at your not yet Christian mates, you think, man, those guys have it easy. They don't go through this. Yes, that's true. But God doesn't love them the way He loves you. God loves all people. Don't get me wrong. He he loves all people so much that He sent His Son so that all might have salvation. And He longs for all people to be saved. But God loves you uh, as one of His very children. He only disciplines His beloved children. Just like as a parent, I wouldn't discipline anyone that's not my child. So God says, I reserve my loving discipline for my children. And when it happens, we should rejoice in it as hard as it sometimes might be. It's an active love of his that he only pours out on those whom he's received through Christ as his very own dear children. Christians, take comfort in God's love as he purifies you through pain. Have have a look at verse 11 as well. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. That's what we want discipline to be, right? Pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You see, through the pain of discipline, God purifies His children And it produces the peace of righteousness. That's great, isn't it? When God is finished disciplining us, you know, whether it be in small little steps or right at the end, but certainly now the result of it is a a new found righteous living that gives us peace. Okay, we are less anxious, we are less worried, um, we are not in turmoil as much as we used to be. In fact, we're, we're more peaceful. Our consciences are not bugging us as much because we're living rightly before our Father and towards other people. And this should encourage us in our weakness as sick sinners. Did you see that image? It's, it's got this image of a sick and lame person, that, and that's what we are. 
and it should encourage us to keep going, knowing that healing will take place through this discipline, right? None of us are perfectly healthy human beings. You know, even when we don't have COVID and we're perfectly healthy, we're not spiritually healthy. And we can see that as we look out on a hurting world. But as we are sanctified, we are healed more and more and more. Now, look, I've started doing something that I don't know if you've started realizing it, but what I've started doing is I've started looking at the things we gain from sanctification. And this is the stuff that's meant to encourage us because we often think it's a slog and all it does is it just costs me. But we gain comfort that God loves us. We gain peace as our holiness increase and we gain healing by our great physician Jesus as sick sinners. But wait, there's more. I feel like one of those guys on the ads. I want to share two more with you that I think is very special and then we'll be finished, okay? Have a look at this uh, from John 14 verse 21. Whoever, this is Jesus talking. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Notice the connection between doing Jesus' commands and loving him. If you love him, you will obey him. And in return, you will be loved by his Father. And you will also be loved by Jesus himself. But not only that, the bit that stands out for me is that Jesus will manifest himself to those who are trying to obey him. You see, the more we try and live for Jesus, the more he will reveal himself to us. That's a wonderful promise of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you don't really know Jesus any more than what you did in the first two years of becoming a Christian. Now, let me tell you, that is not what Jesus wants. He wants you to know him more and more and more in a deeper, more profound way, the height and depth and width and everything of his love, the unsearchable riches of Christ. He wants you to know it. And just maybe you don't know him more because you've stopped pursuing the holiness that he's taught and that he's commanded. And maybe you've stopped doing that because you don't love him. So go back to step one, behold him, love him, and start pursuing holiness that he might reveal himself to you more and more again. Now, many people think pursuing holiness is boring. You know, oh, if you want to kill your joy, then become a Christian, right? And try and become like God. (laughs) Boring. You know, that's what people might say. But that's not what Jesus says a bit further in John. He says this, John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Sanctification and holiness will lead to joy. It's not going to rob you of your joy. When we are being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, we will be filled with joy. And the reason is because that's who we're always meant to be. You see, God created us to be in His image and in His likeness. And when we finally become who we're meant to be, who we were created to be, we'll be fulfilled and full of joy. So don't don't listen to Satan, please, who will tell you that God's out to rob you. Oh, God, 
You know, he just wants to rob you of your joy. The very opposite, in fact. He wants you brimming and bubbling with joy, okay? Joy that no one can take from you and joy that'll just go deeper and deeper and deeper as life goes on. Isn't that amazing? It seems some people I know, the longer they live, the more grumpy they get. With Christians, it's not like that. The longer we live, the deeper our joy, the more we bubble over from the joy that only Jesus can give us. Let me finish like this. You might think, gee, that sounds nice, but I'm not sure if I've got it in me, Danny. You know, enduring the pain of discipline, struggling with sin, striving for holiness, pressing on when I fail. Sounds like a lot of hard work and pain. It sounds tough. Surely I'll grow weary and I'll lose heart. Well, that is if you forget about the God that's doing this in you. Okay? Remember the God who's at work in you. He called you and He's faithful. He will not let you go and He will not leave His work unfinished. So trust Him. But secondly, look at all these people around you. Okay? You're surrounded by great witnesses of God's grace and His power and His faithfulness. And sanctification is a community project. We'll look, about, uh, look at this a bit in, at Unite this afternoon. And we encourage each other in holiness. We, we rebuke each other and correct each other in our, in our errors. We pick each other up when we fall. We speak truth into each other's lives that give us hope and lift our kind of hanging heads. And that gets our shoulders up and going, our chest out so we can keep going. Did you notice what it says right there at the start of our passage? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, this is a group thing. It's a church effort. And Christians going solo at this will not be sanctified as God intends. I can guarantee you that. That's not part of His plan. So let's do it together. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that the very thing we need, holiness, is what you provide for us. We know that we need it if we want to see you one day. And we know this is your will for us. And it's so good to see you provide everything for us. Thank you so much for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ who sanctify us, who gave us a position as one of your children that cannot change. And we've got, we've got work to do but we know that you're also doing it in us and through us. And we pray that you help us to strive for holiness, to run the race with endurance together, that we would lock arms with each other and move forward, getting ready to face you one day. Lord, help us, especially I think as people who have been Christians for a long time, there are some things we do that are not sinful as we see in this passage, but who don't, that doesn't really help us in our race. They just weigh us down unnecessarily. Help us that we might be a people to see those things, whether it be hours watching Netflix or scrolling through Facebook or whatever it may be, staring into the sky for no good reason. Help us to see those things, to put them off, as well as fight sin, that we might run the race before us, looking to the Lord Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Lord Jesus, may we behold you 
and want to be like you, do a work in our hearts through your Spirit that we might go from one glory to another, that we would grow more and more to be like you. Please don't let us go. We know you won't. You will finish the work that you started in us, and that gives us great comfort. And we pray this all in your name.